Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Did the author of the two-part narrative of Luke Acts have a literary and historical paradigm in mind? Mark Giacobbe says yes. That in certain key respects, Luke Acts was modeled on the two-part narrative of Samuel Kings and Chronicles, with part one concerning a Davidic king and part two the acts of those who inherit the kingdom. Join us as we speak with Mark Giacobbe about his recent book, Luke the Chronicler. You're listening to New Books and Biblical Studies, a channel of the New Books Network, and I'm your host, Michael Morales. Mark Giacobbe earned his Ph.D. at Westminster Theological Seminary and is teaching pastor at City Light Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He also serves as adjunct faculty at Dallas International University in the Applied Linguistics Department. Mark, welcome to New Books and Biblical Studies. It's great to be here with you. Mark, let's begin by having you tell us a bit more about yourself. Sure, yeah. I'm from New York City originally. I grew up in Staten Island. Um, I uh, grew up in a Catholic home, and uh, but uh, I would say that I became a follower of Christ as a college student that was actually here where I am now in, in Philadelphia at uh, University of Pennsylvania. And yeah, just, you know, heard about or wanted to read more about Jesus and just really, uh, as they say, like fell in love with him and just wanted to follow him with my life. So, that uh, that's kind of, it's kind of led me in some interesting directions. Um, I did quite ended up doing quite a bit of music um, in my twenties. You know, kind of singer songwriter, worship leader, um, focusing more on that. Uh, I, I kind of had a radical shift in the two thousands, like literally after nine eleven. Um, you know, living and working in New York and that whole um, thing affecting me rather, you know, in an up close and personal way. But I actually ended up spending about four years um, uh, in Afghanistan, kind of serving uh, in relief and development capacity and uh, just more like sort of a missions kind of a thing. And those those were amazing, formative years. Uh, had some tough times, as you can imagine, as well, but um, really just uh, gave me sort of a, a heart for what God is doing in the, on the global global stage. And toward the end of the 2000s, I was feeling a lack uh, in my theological um, education and, and my tool toolkit there, and so I I left. So I came back from Central Asia and ended up. Um, I, originally, I signed up for an MDiv at Gordon Conwell, but I just once I started that, I couldn't seem to stop myself. So you know, I ended up doing um, MDiv and THM at, at Gordon Conwell. Great school. Really appreciate my time there. Uh, and then in 2012, moved down here to Philadelphia to Westminster. You know, to do a doctoral program uh, in hermeneutics and biblical interpretation. So that's what brought me sort of back to Philadelphia. Been here, um, again, for about 11 years and um, got involved with the church that I'm still involved with as a pastor called City Light Church here. Uh, so my my current uh, sort of main full-time role is my title is teaching pastor at City Light, which means that I end up overseeing a lot of uh, adult educational initiatives, something we call like City Light Institute. And uh, I also end up working quite a bit with uh, music and even with missions as well. So kind of touching on a lot of my interests and passions here. So 
Um, but yeah, Westminster was great, great experience there. And um, uh, Brandon Crow was my uh, PhD supervisor, and that sort of led me ultimately to focus on GACs for my uh, for my dissertation leading to this book. So the subtitle of your book is The Narrative Arc of Samuel Keynes and Chronicles in Lugax. Would you describe for us your mapping out of the narrative arc in Samuel and Kings? Yes, and perhaps it would be helpful to explain sort of the genesis of this project. Um, I was in a, a seminar on the Book of Acts. I believe this was spring of 2013, so 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, early on in a course like that, we, we were talking about the purpose of Acts. Why did Luke write Acts? And it's a bit of a, you know, it's a mystery and it's an open sort of question. And um, at that time, I had been reading quite a bit of uh, sort of biblical theology in the Reformed tradition, people like Graham Goldsworthy and even Ed Clowney. And uh, so something kind of clicked for me when I thought about how those the two people I just mentioned described the Old Testament period of Samuel and Kings, where they sort of described it as um, everything leading up to a high point, you know, with David and usually Solomon gets lumped in there. But then, of course, it all falls apart, right? And then it, they, you know, the this, the um, the descendants of uh, David and Solomon sort of drive the kingdom into the ground, and it all leads to exile. And you know, so it it was a, a bit of an inspiration and an insight. Boy, you know, could it be since we're dealing essentially with a two part, you know, Old Testament story, whether you uh, think of that as Samuel and Kings or First and Second Chronicles, is there a chance even that um, Luke is thinking in those terms and you know, where and you know where Luke is corresponding to something like Samuel and, and First Chronicles, and then um, Acts is corresponding to something so, something like Kings and Second Chronicles. So it, you know, it was a hunch. I did an initial paper, and it, you know, the more I, it was one of these things, the more I dug into it, it seemed like there was more there. And it, and I'm still to this day very grateful to um, Brandon Crow just for giving me the freedom to pursue such an ambitious project. You know, people will ask me, what is your dissertation? I'll say, you know, Luke and Acts. <laughs> it really is, you know. So, so uh, it, it was it was big and bold and ambitious, but it was um, it was also really enjoyable uh, as well. So, so when we say the narrative arc, if you, you know, think of, um, kind of think of a rainbow. Imagine you could walk up a rainbow, you know, from the left side to the right. So, you know, you start at a low point, okay. And in the Old Testament context, that's, you know, it's the period of judges. It's a lot, everyone does as, he sees, as they saw it, it's a terrible time. And then you sort of work your way up to the, the apex of the rainbow, which would be, say, David and Saul. Things are looking good there uh, for a while. Like, this is going great. We have this kingdom that maybe it'll keep going and expanding. But then now we're going down the other side and slowly one, you know, one king is worse than the next with a few, you know, exceptions as a kind of side, but essentially... You know, it's going down and down and down. So that's that's what I mean by a narrative arc, sort of an overall plot line. Starts low, goes high, ends up low again. Um, it's a two-part story, right? Part one in the Old Testament is largely the story of a singular individual, like David and his, his rise to power and all this. And part two is about the, um, the heirs of the kingdom, the heirs of David. Of course, it's physical heirs in the Old Testament. And so the idea is with Luke and Acts um, is that Luke corresponds to, let's say, Samuel or First Chronicles, where it's about a singular figure, not just any singular figure, but a Davidic king, the Messiah. You know, Luke in his richly orbed um, Christological uh, uh, presentation does emphasize Davidic Christology, and so that's a significant point. 
And there are uh, even certain plot parallels. N.T. Wright, you know, is a good name to have on your side. Drew out this extensive list of plot parallels between Samuel and the Gospel of Luke. Um, so there was some ground that others had um, walked on where where um, Luke and Samuel and David are concerned. But the new thing was Acts. What do we do with Acts? You know, uh, and you know, I knew we couldn't. Of course, the um, the apostles and disciples in this construal must correspond to the heirs of the Davidic kingdom. They're not, you know, Jesus's physical heirs, but they are heirs of the kingdom. That's fair enough. You know, you think of um, in the institution marriage, uh, Luke says, "I confer or I covenant a kingdom to you." Uh, Scott Hahn was helpful in bringing out that point. And so, what I'm saying is, Acts is like an eschatological reversal of what we see in kings. Instead of these, like, you know, lousy, you know, kings who drive the kingdom into the ground, we have more or less um, successful uh, eschatological royal figures um, who uh, actually successfully in, um, advance the kingdom even to the ends of the earth. And so, you have um, Acts 1 8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And um, where some have pointed out, I think Scott Hahn again has pointed out that that's like a map of the old Davidic kingdom. And so this here is just one point of evidence that Acts is sort of the uh, eschatological um, reversal of what we saw happening in the Old Testament. So that's a lot, but I hope that gives gives the big picture of what, what I'm going for anyway. Tell us about the narrative arc in Chronicles. Yeah, so so this was very interesting to me. You know, I, I noticed when I was doing even the initial research, of course, we all know you read Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. They're obviously working with each other, and uh, Samuel and Kings likely was the actual you know, source, the main uh, written source of Boilega for uh, Chronicles, which then you have other uh, material. It, it looked, it, it would have been very congenial for me if Luke was using both, if he wasn't just using Samuel and Kings. It would have made kind of the two-part thing, a little bit neater in Greek, you know. There's issues with the numbers of books, but anyway, at least in Greek, you have four for Samuel Kings and then two in Chronicles. So that would have helped. There are certain features of Chronicles, like um, the emphasis on speeches and prayers and psalms, which are just quite a lot of that going on in Chronicles. And even an eschatological patina, uh, all of this would help. So but, you know, you, you need to obviously have integrity as a scholar. And, you know, is, is it plausible to basically try to weave together Chronicles and Samuel Kings sort of the way we w might um, encounter in a modern chronological Bible? We know we might do that. It's, you know, it's great for your quiet time, maybe. But does that help? You know, is that is that a responsible reading strategy? So this was, you know, I had to be honest with it and say, okay, if I can't, you know, prove that. Um, ancients were uh, considering both works in concert, then I have to deal with that and be honest about that. But much to my surprise, not only is there um, some evidence for people thinking of both works in concert, it turned out as I surveyed the Second Temple literature, it appeared, I would go so far as to argue that it is actually the default reading strategy where, uh, you know, based on the extant um, evidence that we have, it's rare that a Second Temple Jewish author will do something in Samuel Kings where they're also not thinking of Chronicles, you know, and, and just one example out of, I think, 11 or more I could cite is Josephus's Antiquities, right? So it's a retelling of Jewish history, but he's like seamlessly interweaving Samuel Kings and Chronicles. And so that's why I feel like um, I, I can rightly call it the, you know, the, 
Um, yes, the Samuel King's narrative arc is it gets unwieldy, but Chronicles is a big part of that, and that it helps with the Acts uh, Luke and Acts thesis. But I think it's it's right. So all that. So to put it this way, to sum up, I think if Luke um, is interacting with these texts at all, it is highly highly likely that he's not just looking at Samuel and Kings, but he's also looking at Chronicles and essentially doing what we might do with our modern chronological Bible. I think, okay, what's going to fill this out and how do these two uh, work together? And so that's that was my assumption uh, for Luke. Mark, would you now walk us through Luke and Acts and give us some of the highlights of how Luke employed a narrative arc similar to Samuel King's and Chronicles? Yes, absolutely. And um, Luke, as I hinted at before, was a little easier. In, in one sense, a lot of that was um, helpfully a lot of that work was helpfully done for me already by N.T. Wright and Yuzuri uh, Miura is, is another scholar who, who uh, worked on that. But, um, you know, you, you see things. Um, well, if, let's look at the infancy narrative, right? I mean, it's clear um, there's OT influence there, but not just Old Testament influence in the abstract. It, it appears as if Luke, um, this is fairly easy to see, is interacting with the early chapter of First Samuel. You have um, an infertile woman in the form of... Uh, um, I had in Samuel, then you have, um, you know, you have um, Elizabeth and Zechariah in the, in the New Testament. So uh, we have these kind of things. We have um, a, a temple context there and things like that. So um, we even have a forerunner, right? So you have Samuel and then David comes along, but now we have John the Baptist and Jesus. So things like this in the early part of the infancy narrative. Uh, as it goes on through Luke, again, I'm, I'm not doing nothing, but um, tapping into right and, and Mira here, but you even have like an anointing of David and then an anointing of Jesus at the baptism. You have um, uh, David's legal authority demonstrated in uh, First Samuel and Jesus's legal authority demonstrated. You know, you have the suffering of King David, right, with uh, Absalom and all that. And of course, we have the suffering of Jesus. Um, one interesting point toward the end of Luke's gospel, and here's where Chronicles becomes important. Um, at the end of, say, First Chronicles and at the end of Second Samuels, there is a note of preparation for the temple. Right, the temple is coming, and David's passing out and he, passing away from the scene, and he's getting Solomon ready. And especially in First Chronicles, we we see all this business of preparing for the temple. And in Luke, we also see this extended uh, time where Jesus is is with his followers and preparing them for what comes next. Well, where's the temple? Okay, now we go into Acts. Um, in the beginning of uh, the the main event at the beginning of First uh, Kings and Second Chronicles is the temple. Of course, the building of the temple. Well, where's the temple in Acts? Well, here's where Greg Beale was a huge help here because he's argued extensively that Pentecost is in fact the eruption of the end time temple and, you know, the, 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 the fire and the tongues of fire and the sound and, and all this, he's adduced, you know, numerous, numerous verbal parallels and echoes there. So I was like, okay, we've got the beginning of Acts. We see a parallel here. Let's skip to the end of Acts and then I'll fill in, in the bit. If you go to the end of Acts, you know, here again is another like um, open enigmatic question. Why does Acts end the way it does? There's no clear resolution you know, you have a solitary figure, you know, Paul, he's alone. He's, why don't we find out what happens, right? This is a mystery. There's various proposals there. But but we actually um, have a parallel if you look at the end of uh, Second Kings and Second Chronicles with uh, Jehoiakim there. In Babylon, it's very, it seems like the, there's a similarity here. You have a solitary, like, 
royal figure. He's he's alone. He's free. He's he's at the ends of the earth, Babylon. And so interesting that we have these bookends. And again, th- this bit about um, seeing Paul as a parallel with uh, Jehoiakim, that was not original to me. I've gotten that from other folks, but I'm putting the pieces together. In terms of the middle of Acts, I didn't attempt to draw um, numerous point-for-point parallels. I felt that that wouldn't be, I don't. I just didn't really see it there, to be honest. But what I did see was um, similarities in terms of how the works are structured, where, for example, um, both Acts and Second Kings have geography as a main component of their structure. There's a moving away from Jerusalem ultimately to Babylon. You also have segmentation, um, segmented narratives. In Kings and Chronicles, you have um, kings, of course, they're descendants, so one must come after the other in the timeline. Uh, in Acts, even though um, Peter and Paul, they're alive at the same time, their narratives are largely segmented. And um, uh, Sean Adams was, was helpful here with his uh, work on collected biography. Uh, but, you know, so putting these pieces together, you have uh, a structure that's based on geography. It's based on um, largely segmented narratives of uh, major figures. And then a few other things like um, the even uh, something as um, innocuous or, or a minor point, like the summary narratives that you co- that you have in the Book of Acts. Oh, and the church expanded and this and that. There are parallels between those and the um, some of the sum- summaries that you find, especially in Chronicles. So for Luke, I felt I could do this point for point thing. In Acts, I did more of a soft focus, emphasizing the beginning and end of the work and showing some structural features. You know, it's if you put it out there, it's uh, you know you always wonder if, if you're the you know I, I actually I'm not the first to propose this I'm but I'm the second as far as I know so um, you know Michael but but I, I really you know I present this for others to you know take a look at the help me out you know poke the holes in it and and um, you know at the end of the you know we don't want to be saying things that aren't sort of really there and int- intended by someone the human or the divine author but I think it's there. What are you working on now? Any new projects or books? These days, no book-length projects. Um, as I'm uh, overseeing this kind of educational arm at church, and so um, we've, we, you know, we put together a nice, um, some good coursework here. We call it the City Light Institute, and just you know, core classes for our members and for others. Hopefully, and, you know, we have visions for that. We'll see where that develops. So, thinking more in terms of curriculum. Uh, other than that, yeah, no books. I'm I'm doing a paper at ETS on theological anthropology. So if anyone will be at ETS in November, I think I'll be there Tuesday on ETS. So that's that's it. I have a long list of book projects. We'll see what see what time and providence uh, allow in this next season. Mark, thank you for being with us and for sharing your good work in Luke Acts. Absolutely, yeah, it's been my pleasure. Friends, you've been listening to New Books in Biblical Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. Until next time, goodbye.